American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are joining us. Welcome to the American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead. This is the podcast about leadership, entrepreneurship, business, and just social and self-improvement leading from your heart. I am your host, Neil Simpson, and as usual, joined by the producer extraordinaire, Jeff, the Italian stallion, Shermani. That's right. And uh, I heard you tell a customer the other day, you know, you were commiserating with him and you, you, you were sharing last names. Oh, yeah. And you allowed your name to roll off your tongue so, so easily that I don't think the gravity of the amazing <laughs> amount of vowels and, <laughs> and, and uh, consonants uh, did it justice. It's 11 letters. It's, yeah, it's 11 letters. I, I like to say more like Sheramonte. Sheramonte. Yeah. There you go. See, <laughs> you made it too. You 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 made it too smooth the other day to a customer. Yeah, um, folks, this is a going to be a great episode for you. It is episode number three. If this is your first time finding us, uh, this is the spinoff of a phenomenally successful automotive niche business. Um, you know, from the automotive industry podcast called I Speak Jeep. Uh, that we host, and, and it is presented by SFJ4x4.com, the company that we uh, work for full-time. And, um, and, and so, you know, in this process, uh, Jeff and I have uh, the opportunity to share our combined 40 years of, uh, of, of kind of, you know, failing forward, if you will, uh, in, you know, professional and social, you know, endeavors. And uh, so the, the idea was to actually to create a podcast that maybe wasn't the same old regurgitated talking points. Uh, we, you know, we've all read, you know, the A-line books. We've listened to the podcast. We've listened to the, the self-help seminar stuff just for fun or entertainment value. Um, and ideally here, we're going to be talking about maybe the, the vacuum left by that same regurgitated information. And as I've said before, I'm, I'm here to, you know, to talk about the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of, of our industries and, and business. And uh, typically with our other podcasts, I try to be, you know, pretty light and lively. And um, when it comes, you know, and I'm trying to be fair to all people, meet them where they're at. When it comes to, to business or, or, or leadership or, you know, even just, you know, being a better person in your, your home life, there is a, there's, there's good moves and then there's bad moves. And we're going to talk about some of that stuff. So, well, and coming up in this episode, we're going to dive deep into, um, interviewing mm. and building a good team. Okay. So after we're done with that, obviously we're going to have our quote of the week again, mm -hmm. and then we'll also break that apart a little bit as well. Yeah. And we had a, we had a banging quote of the week last week, um, which, uh, you know, honestly, then affected my week as a whole. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna share with anybody what it was, um, but you're gonna need to go back and find episode two if you hadn't, and 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 look for that quote of the week. And uh, I, it was, it's one that's gonna to to sink in and and genuinely affect how I approach, you know, how I approach my day, and 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 then you know, overcoming an obstacle or project in my life. Well, and I think it's also going to be kind of applicable to today's episode because of 
it's important to take the time to build the proper team mm. to be able to move forward as a oh team. Oh, my gosh. And uh, in preparation, when I saw your, your notes, I thought exactly that because I am the world's slowest person to hire. Yep. And that's, you know, and we'll, we'll get to that. So absolutely. This is going to be a good one. Do you want to, do you want to get into what that is or? Well, yeah, let's talk about building a team. Um, so when you're building your team, let's start with the, the basic question. Who are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody that's of like skills to you sure. that complements your skills? Or are you looking at somebody that has opposite skills of you because that's where you're weak at and you need the strength? Right. So I, I need folks who are listening in right now, and, and you have to you have to be real honest with yourself. You're going to look in the mirror, and you're going to look and be like, where is my ego right now, right? Because you might be, um, you know, you have this, you, you want to produce a widget. You want to, you know, you want to bake the best muffins in your, your town. You might... You know, be a, a used car salesman and, and you want to sell used cars and that all of those are good and gravy. We need those industries. But you have this idea and you're, you're making it into a business and now you're realizing that you're ready to take that step and grow or you think you are. You have to look in that mirror and say, where is my ego? Because ultimately, if this business is about me, well, that's really going to affect your hiring and building a team. Correct. Okay. Um, that's going to affect your long term success and by everything we know as an industry, if your business is about you, your skill set, and your production, then you have what I call or refer to all the time as a glass ceiling. Yep. And I, I talk internally within our business about glass ceilings, glass ceilings of other businesses, what becomes our glass ceiling, how do we break through a glass ceiling, and ultimately, folks... That's the idea that I can look up and I can, I can see limitless potential. But the reality is as I start to take those small incremental steps forward up the ladder, up the stairs towards that success, I eventually reach a point where for whatever reason, I can no longer grow. I can no longer break the plateau. I can't get any bigger, better, or more efficient at what I do. That's your glass ceiling. So if the business, if the production, if the outcome is about you, you will reach a glass ceiling. Now, here's the piece that I've had to come to terms with. Some people are perfectly happy with that. And again, this is that point where you, right now, you as the individual have to look in the mirror and go, is that me, right? Because if you are a mechanic and you, know, you just want to do everything and maybe have a helper and you're comfortable bringing in $40,000, $50,000 a year, maybe $60,000, you know, depending on where you're at, then that might be okay, right? And you can do that and you don't need to really, you know, get any bigger. You don't need to get anything. That's just what you would like to do. However, if you're, if you're the same mechanic and you want a massive 10 bay service garage, you, it can't be about you, right? So to circle back to address your question, I personally always hire, I, I, this is how I phrase it, I hire my negative, right? So and I don't care if I'm the yin or the yang. I'm always hiring differently than myself. I know what skills I do or don't have. Yep. So that that level of self-awareness is something I've spent uh, an attempt to make uh, – to be very realistic with. And then hire the negative. Hire 
the person who's opposite me. That's exactly it. And and at some point in time, you have to check your your ego because, you know, you got into this business. You started this business. You, you're the face of it, you know, as, as far as society looking in on your soap making business. But realistically, you know, if you're not as efficient uh, with actually physically producing the soap, now all of a sudden – you know, you're getting all these accolades on the left and in the right. Somebody actually else is pouring the soap molds, you know, in the kitchen. Yep. And you have to go, okay. And then uh, as an effective leader, you got to give them some credit. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's, that's a, that's a part of it. And you have to be able to share that credit in that process. Well, and I think when it comes to hiring, you should always look to hire your next replacement. You should be hiring your replacement because you want somebody that's better than you. Right, which is a great phrase that you said when you, you know, when you started here and we were talking about these concepts that kind of formed how we look at the world and how we look at businesses and, and, you know, operations in general, that you should be looking to hire your replacement, which I think is cool. The only, I think there is a a line, there is a minutiae to have a conversation there um, or, or maybe differentiate to say, when I'm looking to hire my negative, I'm looking to hire my weakness. Correct. Um, and that still falls in line with that statement because they're inherently better at what you're not good at. So then they could be your replacement still, and then they would have a weakness that they'd have to hire for. Sure. So it's still – Yeah, it's an interesting way to, to look at it. It's a flip-flop scenario, right. but you're still I, I inherently see them. looking for somebody better than you essentially. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. I mean, ultimately, if I was if I was just dicing and slicing for people, I would say, you know, you're going to want to hire your negative for a long period of time. Correct. Um, and then genuinely look for your replacement, the person who has your same skill set. Right. That would be the, the one thing that I personally uh, I was exposed to a, a couple speakers at um, actually it was a SEMA convention at a breakout session. And. You know, he was talking about his ability once he built his team that he realized that he was still a vital cog in the wheel of their operation. Yeah. Right. And that he was no longer working on the business. He was working for the business. Correct. And so that same zest, zeal and passion that allowed him to start the business and that skill set that allowed him to start the business. Right. Start the business and have that bigger overviewing, you know, view of it was different than the people who were willing to work for a business, right? And so for him, you know, he still needed people who were self-motivated. He still needed all those things, but he needed to hire somebody who could step in and do those skills so that he could then take his, you know, kind of his special recipe that allowed him to go, hey, I'm going to start this new thing and go over here and start said new thing. You know what I mean? So um, I like the concept of hiring your replacement, uh, I, I personally, and folks who are aware, uh, you know, know that, you know, my specific business, uh, that, you know, had the most success with is, is automotive. And I was, you know, I was the physical mechanic for a period of time. I, I physically was working on the vehicles, you know, disassembling them, you know, having to break down the parts, clean them up, do all that kind of stuff. Um, and then there was a, a, a you know, reasonably early on, I, I recognized I'm not very fast, right? By comparison to what is out there um, and the expectations of an industry, I am not. I do not possess the skill set, 
Correct. And so I will always tell people, if I have to spin a wrench, mm-hmm. as my phrase I used to use people, if I have to spin a wrench professionally, we're losing money. Yep. And that was, you know, that was kind of critical in how I hired originally. Well, and that, that literally is hiring your replacement. It was your replacement for that specific job. And you hired hired somebody that was more proficient and advanced you and allowed you to focus more on the strengths that you do have. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, like I said, um, it's it's about building out that that whole cyclical piece. And so yours is, you know, what, what you're saying with the replacement piece is we're going to replace the replace the replace the replace. Right. And, and it's the same thing. It's the negatives and yep. whatnot. I think. And we're going in circles. It's important to say that that's eventually going to, for me, change, right? Yep. That you have to, you create this, this cyclical nature, but eventually you have to pull yourself out of the equation. Correct. Because ultimately, um, and you have to have that vision going into the hiring process that, um, again, that no singular cog in the wheel uh, should ever disrupt the wheel. Correct. Right? So as a cog breaks or changes or folds or moves, whatever, that the wheel should continue to spin, right? right? And, and, it, so, and it may not spin as effectively, but it should continue to spin. So yes. that, that is something where if you bring somebody into your company that has X and Y skill but is missing Z, mm. you teach them Z. They're not going to be great at Z, but you teach them it so, Correct. That, so that if your guy that's great at Z is gone for whatever reason, they can fill in until you can... Yes. Resolve and, that. And ultimately, um, and we may need to, to, to make some, some comparisons for people so we can help, you know, help visualize this. Um, but ultimately, it's, this is where our personnel then needs to extend into our network. Correct. Right? So, and that's, that's important is you have to understand when I am hiring and when should this be a network, right? My network issue. So can I do this outside my my specific team? And so your concept to say, hey, one of one of these guys, you know, with their skill sets, and he's sick, unable to come in, you know, she moves away, whatever the the personnel issue is, you know, the wheel should continue to spin, albeit not as efficient. And then can I reach into my network and get this this task done, even just temporarily? Correct. Or do I have to then rely on another uh, professional uh, it, within my team to do that task? Uh, and those are those are things that are in that minutia of of establishing your team. I think we were talking, you know, uh, about uh, we we were going to talk about hiring or interviewing here yes. in a little bit. Um, and I think that that uh, those types of skills are something that are hard to determine, right? Say, are they do they have a growth mindset? I was talking a lot with. Um, Oh gosh, who was I talking? It doesn't. I suppose it doesn't matter. But I was having this conversation this weekend about the difference between a growth mindset um, and a closed mindset. Yep. And those are the types of things that, arguably, when we get into interviewing a little bit, that you're going to want to be looking towards. Correct. So as we build that team, as we find our replacement, as we hire our weakness, um, that. That that challenging piece is going to then be figuring out and, and identifying that individual, especially in this highly aggressive uh, employment market that we're in currently. You know, so if you could just real quick summarize in, in a short sentence or two, to you, what makes a good team? So uh, a good team is 
a diverse thought process, right? So the individuals have to be, um, you know, have a have differing uh, perspectives, but the ability to communicate effectively those those different ways of looking at something. Yep. Um, and then ultimately, that team then needs to have uh, specialized. They need to be specialized in one or two facets. And then uh, that growth mindset, they have to be um, adaptable. So, it, you know, if we were to kind of succinctly... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to use the term diversity. It's cliche by the way that's got thrown around in the last decade or so, but diversified perspective, ability to communicate, um, the specialized skill set, adaptability, and then they got to be able to hustle. So I I agree 100% with all of those, and I'm going to add one more, and that is willingness to step up to the plate when your number's called because in a a good functioning team a member at some point will fall Mm -hmm. whether it be a family related issue personal issue whatever at some point somebody will fall Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that they're gone completely it just means temporarily somebody else has to step up to the plate sure so the willingness to step up to the plate and support your team. Yes. So um, a, a phrase that I, I, I threw around a lot in the beginning, um, you know, I, I use it less now, I find myself, but it's still incredibly applicable. Um, it's humble, hungry, and um, well, you can actually do five, right? So humble, hungry, hardworking, hustle, and heart. Yep. Right. And it was the, you know, the three or the five H's, depending on what world I was involved in. This is 20, 30 years ago. Um, and, and, and that idea was to encapsulate the kind of the phrase that we're saying here um, under those five H's or three H's or, yep. or whatever it might be. Um, I personally will take an individual who's less skilled in their field. If they are, if, if they're a hustler, if they're willing to step up to the plate, if they're willing to take responsibility, they're if, hungry. They're, if they're hungry, yep. right? Um, nine times out of 10. And I, I had a football coach. I go all the way back. Football was very formative. Of course, Super Bowl was, was recently. Yep. So, you know, can't help but, but feel involved in that again. And uh, I had a football coach when I was a, you know, when I was in high school, I was actually a pretty successful football player. And there was a kid on our team and I didn't I didn't see how valuable he was to the team. Um, he was he didn't always have the best attitude. Um, he was sometimes hard to communicate with. And I struggled as an individual who at, at that time had a very kind of quote unquote all American you know clean cut experience to that point. Um, I really struggled to see uh, you know, and this was a growing moment for me, but I struggled to see him and I on the same kind of the same caliber, the same level. And yet the coach very much was was very uh, appreciative of this kid. He was, you know, he talked, uh, uh, talked this kid up and whatnot. And I remember being jealous. Right. And I'm thinking I worked, you know, I'd get done with a, a couple hour practice and I'd go another hour in the, the weight room and I would, you know, and I would beat it out and I would just, you know, 
I took my point myself to the point of exhaustion constantly. I pushed myself uh, above and beyond. I wasn't the most uh, like say the the most naturally gifted athlete in what I was going to do. I was going to be a technician with my my skill. Yep. And I was going to work harder than everybody else, right? And yet, when it came to Friday night or whatever, these guys kind of shared the light with me in the way that the coach talked about it or shared, you know, and I remember being so jealous and I couldn't see because, you know, these guys would roll in, they'd, they'd roll out of somebody else's car. They, you know, they might've been using something recreationally. They'd get out on the field. I, they played a different position than me. So I, I didn't really know, um, you know, much about what their contribution needed to be to the business or, you know, to the, to the football team. And I, I struggled, right? It wasn't until a couple years later that I recognized that when it came to that the physical application, right? That 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 guy playing, that when he was out on the field, he was a monster. So he was he was hungry and he was hustling when he was on the field, right? Mm -hmm. And so so some of these other little things that I was you know I was creating, creating weights and measures of the coaches were seeing past that. Right. Yep. They saw an individual who on the on the field on, you know, who was actually physically engaged was just bringing the heat constantly. Um, and so sometimes we have to be able to use our weights and measures to say, hey, yeah, we have this technician. Yeah, this guy who's who's super hardworking, blah, blah, blah. But here's a guy who in this, you know, in this venue over here is just a kind of a rock star. Now, all too often in professional sports, and that might even become a different conversation, we accolade that and we don't focus enough on are these good people off to the side. Correct. Right? So, again, balance, moderation. We've talked about that, yep. you know. Um, but I, the, the, the hustle, the hungry, incredibly valuable skill sets, um, you know, to, to keep in mind when you are building that team. So we're going to move into interview questions briefly um if you were to i'm excited about this i i saw this on there and i know that you and i have had uh, a good bit of interview experience oh yeah and as i mentioned i'm the slowest human to hire and that is sometimes i wrestle with myself because i think that's a detraction right there's a lot of businesses out there who just who just hire quick and fire fast right and i think that's the wrong attitude because i call that band-aid hiring you're hiring a band-aid to fill in a spot until you can find somebody else. Totally. That's not good practice. You're just going to get stuck in a cycle. I think it's terrible practice. Yep. I think it's terrible practice. Well, you were going to ask me a question. I interrupted you. No, you're good. I was talking about so, my excitement. And then I, we're going to come back to band-aid hiring because I, I want to talk about that. Well, I first want to talk about um, – we're going to get into favorite interview questions. I, yep. I want to get into that. But the first thing I want to say is if you have somebody that applies that's unqualified, how do you handle that candidate? Yeah. I've handled it poorly in the past. Okay. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, I have been – what I recognize is not, not overtly but on the back end too dismissive. Okay. Okay. I have been too dismissive. Now, ultimately, I can think of a, a, a bunch of situations where I have eventually – uh, given that person a chance, and they have worked out spectacularly. 
above and beyond um, expectation. However, I think that in something that I can self-identify, that my ability to I'm looking out at the landscape and I have an, an idea in my head of who I want to hire. And then this person who's less qualified kind of comes in and I know factually, I, I, I tend to like put them off to the side, be like, nah, eh, you know, that's not really what I'm looking for. And I want to, I want to find law qualifications. Um, this is where I, I really get into the divine and that's where I go, Hey God, you know, God's like, Hey, you got a plan. Let me just take that right away from you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And, um, and and so serendipitously, uh, we have constantly been blessed with phenomenal employees, uh, both you know within you know SFJ, but also previously I've had individuals um, that I've managed who just turned out spectacular despite not being qualified. And I will say that I've had some of those experiences, typically, uh, and and a lot of it is learning and understanding the interview process and identifying. I think that's the exactly core principles it. of a person. Yep. But I have many, many times dealt with unqualified or just not good fit uh, applications. Mm -hmm. And in that course, what I have found the best thing to do is to let them know, mm. to respond to them, because your company reputation is on the line. Mm -hmm. I don't care how many people you have apply. If you have 60 people, you have 100 people apply for a position. You respond to every single one of them. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as picking up the phone and saying, hey, thank you for your application. At this time, we've moved in a different direction. That's um, great advice. Folks, if you're listening, I mean, and that and, and one of the things that Jeff has has brought into our business alone is that type of perspective, right? And that's going to go back to the diversity and perspective. And, and again, as I just admitted, that is a weakness of mine. And you're going, hey, this should just be the practice. Well, and the, the big thing about it is, Hey, they're applying to your position or to your company. They obviously show some interest in your company. Albeit it could be super minor. They could just be out throwing applications everywhere. Mm -hmm. But there's some interest in your business. Right. If you're completely dismissive of dismissive of them, you lose them as a customer, future customer potentially, or anyone that they talk to. Yeah. I, I mean, that is fantastic advice. And and like I said, folks listening in, take that to heart because uh, as you said, it's those little things that just a, a simple, hey, you know, we're we're going to be going in a different direction if you've hired somebody else um, or, hey, you know, we're you know, we haven't filled the position yet, but, you know, we're going to start the interview process. If, if you know, if if uh, if you meet those qualifications, we'll we'll give you an interview. You know, what I mean, that type of yep. that type of level of communication that can be done in a letter that can be done. How often do we hear people? express within social media, within our inner circles, with, a, you know, with online or, or paper publication, whatever. Uh, oh, I, I applied to this place and I, I never heard from them. I, I've never heard back. Are you hiring? I see it all the time. You know, and then somebody puts a wanted ad out and they're like, well, I applied. You never called me. Correct. Uh, you know, okay. You might not have been that qualified. And so, I mean, you jumping on their post right now, you know, kind of, you know, be forcing yourself. Yeah. But if that company would have said, Hey, you know, not right now. We're still we're still looking for a qualified yep. applicant. And, and the same goes for if you do bring them in for an interview, there should definitely be a follow up. And I will tell you that I have seen on the rare occasion that a company does do that follow up, 
you'll see that person on social media going, hey, you know what? I didn't get the job at this place, but they were respectful enough to respond. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree entirely. Once you make it through the application process, right? And yeah. that's for me, that's where I've really been dismissive. If, if we get into an interview, um, we're going to start a, a much more formal procedure, even as a even as like a, a singular employer. And realistically speaking, people need to understand that I have not been uh, the person who has managed huge teams, right? I mean, there there are people that I've been uh, exposed to who manage, you know, albeit effectively or ineffectively, I don't know, 50 people, 150 people, 5,000 people. I don't know. The, whatever, large, the largest right? team I've ever been over was around 60. Okay. So, and, so Jeffrey has managed a team of 60. I, I have always been more the... Again, you know, world's slowest person to hire, and I like to look at uh, hiring highly qualified individuals, and that's through the interview process, not through the application process, right? Yep. Through the interview process, highly qualified individuals who can share in a vision and effectively work as a, a core unit, yep. right? And so my teams at most have been, you know, in that under 25 range. You know, and I think that's that's valuable to talk about. Those are our perspectives where I'm looking to build individuals. Yes. Um, and and that has always been my approach. I want to build the individual to then fill the to fill the need versus that bandaid. Hey, I'm going to just hire a bunch of bodies. Yep. Right. Um, and when you have a team of 60 plus, unfortunately, that ends up happening because how do you manage to keep that many people and provide proper attention to those people i, I mean as it's as just we, it's almost impossible you should never have that size team and and when we were talking about uh last week with the pareto principle which is not the quote of the week you want to find that quote of the week yeah right but uh with that pareto principle you got 60 people uh 10 15 20 of them at max are doing the job yep and and that's my thing is instead of having 60 people i want that 10 15 20 correct Do you know what i mean and, and all i've like I said, I've managed 60 people. I've managed 10 people. I've managed three people. I've been on all different fields of that. And I will say the smaller the size team that you're responsible for, the more effective that team will be every single time. Absolutely. Without question. And and that is, um, as we've as we said uh, here in, in, in a nice piece, uh, you know, Simpson Family Jeeps, uh, our, our, our parent company, builds people. And those people build our customers' dreams. And that's what matters to me. Yep. I, I want to build people here. Yeah, we can have cool vehicles. Yeah, we can, you know, do this, that, and the third. You know, financial success is, is obviously ideal. That's why we work. But ultimately, we want to build those people first. So just a, another thing with unqualified candidates. Mm -hmm. uh, it came up in conversation recently uh, with one of, one of our coworkers that was having a a work or a, a unrelated function that he attended and some people were dressed inappropriately. So what happens when somebody shows up to the interview dressed inappropriately? <laughs> and what is the wildest thing you've seen somebody show up dressed for at an interview? Uh, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I am a new age hirer. Okay. okay. Um, I am a, I am a new age hirer. Um, and that is actually comes from my years of youth ministry. And in youth ministry, I had to address the question a couple different times with that post-pubescent 
child, right? Yep. That youth who's really looking at the world through these very fresh eyes, right? They've made that journey from from you know the idyllic little kid world into a you know prior right right before they become a young adult and before they're too jaded by the world you know what i mean and the processes that we have created as adults and work within and i have had to so many times address but i'm a good person right so they go well why why can't i go into the interview with purple hair um in a jogger, you know, as far as my my outfit is concerned. I've had people show up in their underwear. <laughs> Swear to God. So there's, again, <laughs> balance and moderation. Balance and moderation. But because of my experience, in my formative experience in, in as, a, as a young adult in youth ministry, I had to answer to, all, to, to, these, to these youth, you know, I'm a good person. Why does it matter what I look like? Right. And and so ultimately I had to recognize and say, does the production of my widget require this individual to appear in a particular manner? And right? I, I think if they're dressed appropriately to the job they're applying for, that that's acceptable for an interview. 100%. And ultimately, if, if I've allowed them through the application process. Now, I am the first person... Who will tell you I'm a <laughs> I uh, I will interview on your shoes and I and I this is not you're not supposed to right 100 percent I think it's but great because you catch them off guard I will I will profile and I will interview on your shoes and we've talked about that and I'll let you you share with that in in a little bit but um, your shoes tell me a lot about you right and that's my personal belief just like body language yeah right um, just like. Uh, you know, some of these other kind of extracurricular, what we'll call profiling things. And so those are the things that I'm looking Did you know that towards. it is legal to profile an interview as long as you follow the discriminatory laws? Hmm. You, you can be discriminatory in interview process, but you have to follow the laws of it. Sure. So sure. no negative discrimination. Sure. Sure. Interesting. And, and that's, I mean, so long as we're working towards the qualifications of the candidate. Correct. Right? Uh, again, I mean, I... You know, I don't have a problem with uh, with sleeve tattoos. I don't care if they're exposed. I don't care if my kid goes to school and a teacher has a sleeve tattoo, honestly, so long as their classroom is safe and a healthy environment and there's a semblance of, you know, forward learning happening. Yep. I, that teacher could have gauges in their ears and their eyebrow pierced. I don't care. You yep. know what I mean? Um so those types of things I am less affected by in the interviewing process. I do want to see that you take it seriously. That's so, ultimately because, again, to come back to what you said, that individual, we're investing in each other at that moment. That, yep. that person has expressed interest through an application. Now they're actually coming in for an interview. I want to see that you're taking it serious because I take my business serious. And I've had where people have come in in sweats that are just hanging down. They're not they, – they're just – very poorly dressed. Yes. For professional type roles where you should be dressed a little bit nicer. Correct. Right. And you know what? You took the time to come in for the interview, so I'm going to sit down with you, but I'm going to coach you on how to come back for a second interview, and we're going to schedule a second interview. Right. And if you show up the same way again, you're out. Great. You show up dressed appropriately for the second interview after we've had that coaching session, great. 
now we can talk. Correct. And and ultimately, that's if that individual you deem that individual qualified. Correct. Right. Because because ultimately, we are living in a in a society, and this is why we're, it's the American hustle, right? Because we're talking about Western culture specifically. Um, I, I can't speak to what's happening elsewhere globally specifically, but we're living in a society with huge divorce rates. And in my own opinion, a tremendous lack of male leadership, intimate male leadership. And that's yep. my personal belief that loving, firm, uh, guiding fathers are, are not able to guide young men specifically, right? Yep. And so ultimately you might have – and this is an experience I had uh, personally for, for many years prior to this endeavor uh, – young men who did not know how to – did not know how to dress, you know, as far as a, a casual professional, a business professional Correct. or business casual or and, and I, I don't discredit anybody, but there's a lot of people who don't know how to tie a tie. Correct. Um, and and I'm not saying every job requires a tie, but I got to tell you, a, a, a decent pair of shoes, slacks, a button up, you know, three quarter sleeve or better and a tie is is appropriate. For nine out of ten job interviews. And if you don't want to learn how to tie a tie, buy some clip-ons. I don't <laughs> care. Have a tie. And, and and the thing is, I want him to learn how to tie a tie. I agree. You know, but 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 he might not be able to. Correct. Right? And that's just a young man, and that's not even young women and how how what they're being exposed to through social media and whatnot. That's a whole other conversation. So the thing is, what you're sharing is that when that individual comes in, they might not even know any better. They don't know what they don't know. Correct. They're just here to hustle because they know they need a job. Yep. And and if they have – I've met so many young people specifically who have all of the qualifications and none of the support. I'm and, here to support you. And, you know? and those are the types that if you've sat down with that person, did the interview, and you deem that they're a qualified person for the position right. or, or could be qualified for the position, you want a second interview anyways to find out more. Taking the time to coach and invest in them and not negatively just say, dude, you showed up like that. Get out of here. If you take the time to invest in them, they're already more invested in you as a company mm -hmm. immediately. And, and I think that that's – this is, this is perspective, right? This is going to be eight out of ten hiring situations in the U.S. Folks, if you are – if you are applying to the upper echelon, you know, law firm outside of Washington D.C., you're going to need to dress for that position, yep. right? Um, or if your intention is to create a similar professional environment within your own little business in St. Louis, Missouri, then you need to dress for that, you know, that level, that caliber of position right. as well. However, the broad scope of people who are making soap in their kitchen do not need to show up in a three-piece suit. Well, right? and, and it's even in the automotive industry, uh, since that's where we're, we're coming from right now. Yep. If somebody showed up in jeans and a hoodie applying for a mechanic position, that's kind of acceptable attire. Would I like to see them dressed a little bit nicer? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But am I going to fault them for dressing for the industry? No. Uh, and, and, and that is, again, that is that balance and moderation, understanding, uh, you know, when to push on that level and when to, to kind of draw back. So I, I understand we're probably running a little short on time. And this has been a phenomenal conversation. And we didn't really even get into the interview. Right. right? We didn't get into the interview. So I think we need to pull over into a second session. I agree. And and talk about what, what the good, the bad, and the ugly of what we've experienced in interviews. Um, 
And as a little teaser into that, uh, what is your either first or favorite question in an interview? And then I'll share mine. So my favorite question in an interview mm -hmm. is most people basically are. Please finish that sentence. Oh, I like it. And I'm going to tell you that probably between 70 and 80% of all people that I've ever asked that question to answer good. Elaborate that. Please elaborate. All right. We'll have to elaborate next time. Not, not too much now, right. Jeffrey. All right. I'll give you two things. One, my favorite interview question, which I don't get to use as much anymore in this, in this particular endeavor, but I used to use it uh, religiously before. First question, right? We're sitting there. Everybody's a little nervous. You know, candidate is, you know, ready to rock and roll after we've done our, our chit-chat pleasantries. If you were a candy bar, what candy bar would you be? Okay. So, folks, you're going to want to come back for our, you know, for our, our, our interview, you know, our session next week, episode number four. We're going to be talking about that interview process itself, uh, intermingled with a lot of other goodies. Um, the other piece, I will tell you, the, I, have, I have ultimately, from my own personal experience, my one most major piece of advice, if you're interviewing, so I will release that next week as well, if this is... Uh, you're in the interview. This is my one key to success. You must do it. You must follow peace if you remember nothing else. So with that, come back to the next interview and I think, uh, or for the next episode to find out more about interviewing. Jeffrey, we're going to transition and do the quote of the week. Yep. Great. And this is my world now. Our quote of the week, the future depends on what you do today. And that's Mahatma Gandhi. Out, outstanding. I, I actually, um, I purposely don't look at the quotes that you prepare. I want to be, like, I want to be blind to them. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I, I read your tech notes uh, or, or your, your, you know, the little bit that you send me. And then I like to be surprised by the quote. So, Well, and um, I put it in a separate color on the sheet so that you'll know where the quote is. So I kind of figured you were doing that. Yeah. Make absolutely. it easier for oh, you. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want to see it. I want to be... I want the full organic exposure uh, to the quote. So the future depends on what you do today. And I think there's value um, in that. I used to always uh, – one of, one of the things that you know, certainly my wife and I share as a, as a talking point between us, uh, there are doers and there are talkers. Yep. Right? There's a lot of people who talk the talk. Uh, you know, the phrase of the 80s, you, you talk, the walk, talk the talk, but do you walk the walk? You know, walk the walk is just doing, right? There's so much. Nike comes around to just do it. Uh, there's some great matriculation or graduation, uh, you know, speeches out there, commencement yep. speak, speak, speakers that are do it, right? Um, go out and do. And so, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you will miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. That's right. Right? I actually almost used that quote. Oh, did you? Yeah, from Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. The, uh, um, the point of, to me, what this quote means is if you're planning out a project, we'll just start with a simple project. By the end of this year, I want to have this accomplished. Mm -hmm. Well, you have to start somewhere. And mm -hmm. if you don't start today... You're not going to get to that goal. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to happen. Correct. Even if it's doing a little thing at a time, mm -hmm. yeah, what you do today affects whether you meet that deadline or not. And so many people are crippled by their own glass ceiling. Yep. Uh, to circle back to a concept we talked about early in the podcast, that glass ceiling of their own making. Um, 
just keeps them on the couch, that keeps them, you know, behind their desk of the dead end job that they don't want to be working, right? Yep. And instead of those little incremental actions, the doing, they just continue to put it off, to put it out of their mind, to think, oh, uh, well, you know, I'd like to be there. I, I'd like to start my own business. I'd like to grow uh, the church Bible study. I'd like to get the the rot- you know the Rotary Club bigger in my area, whatever it might yeah. be. But unless you are actively pursuing that with with intent, the doing right. Yep. Then that's never going to happen. That future dream, that future you, is reliant on you right this moment. Correct. And you have to take small compounding steps or actions every day towards that goal. My favorite meme on the on the on the internets um, is uh, two ladders side by side. They kind of go off into the uh, up into the uh, the atmosphere, and uh, it says the 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 value of small steps. And so ultimately, the rungs on the ladder to the left are, are arguably very small and and kind of tight together. And the rungs on the, the, the ladder on the right is arguably that first rung is way above that individual's head. They can't even reach that first rung. So the individual on the left has had to take a thousand more, you know, steps on their ladder than the, the person on the right who's, who can't even get up off the ground. Yep. And so uh, the doing today will affect the future tomorrow. So Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> That's an outtake for you. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. Usually I don't get that, but today today we'll have a blooper on it. So Yeah, whatever. All right. <clears throat> He'll just haunt you for it. No. no. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, folks, I, I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation, that you are finding these conversations, these concepts valuable to your own application. That is what they're here for. We don't really want to regurgitate the same old talking points of leadership and social development and entrepreneurship. That is just kind of played out. We want to talk about the nitty gritty, if you will. And so ultimately, if you want to join in that conversation and share with us, we have a text only number is 440-855-2100. Again, 440-855-2100. You can text us directly and join in that conversation. If there's a concept that you would like us to talk about or you would like to expand upon something we've said, you can also directly email Jeff, the Italian stallion, at Jeff C at S. FJ4X4.com. That is J E F F C at S F J, the number four, X, the number four.com. And we want you to get involved in these conversations. Share with us. Tell us what you're thinking. How does this apply to you? What has your experiences been? Have you had a great or terrible interview experience? Have you been asked something incredibly inappropriate? I know that I've endeavored into some some you know some slightly uncomfortable conversations interviews, and we'll be talking about that next week. You'll definitely want to tune in, and you know, take a moment, give us a five star rating for a show, like, subscribe, send us reviews. Uh, additionally, coming up, besides talking about interviews, we're going to be talking about seeing good people. Uh, knowing takes one to know one, 
and respecting boundaries. Those are just some upcoming topics to look forward to. Awesome. Make sure you come back. The American dream is not dead. Join us at the American Hustle. And this is my the American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through Heart and Hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440-855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.